This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the Wharton School in San Francisco, this is Launchpad on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here is Professor Carl Ulrich. Welcome to Launchpad on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 111. I'm your host this week, Carl Ulrich. I'm Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at the Wharton School, where I teach entrepreneurship innovation as well as product design. I co-host Launchpad with my friend Rob Connybeer, and Rob is Managing Director of Shasta Ventures, a leading Silicon Valley venture capital firm. And Rob and I switch off hosting duties. Mostly we broadcast from the Wharton School campus in San Francisco, and that's where I am today. Sometimes we, we, we broadcast from Philly as well. The idea behind Launchpad is pretty simple. Rob and I both recognize that entrepreneurship is intrinsically risky and uncertain. After all, you're doing something that hasn't been done before. But we think there are some things you can do to increase your chances of success. And so our basic approach is to invite onto the show entrepreneurs who are themselves dealing with the challenges of starting and growing a business. And then we look for opportunities to underscore principles that can generalize to the challenges you're facing in your in your businesses. The audience for the show, we really expect uh, there are three groups of you out there. Some of you are yourselves entrepreneurs, and we, we definitely speak directly to you. Some of you are thinking you might want to be entrepreneurs, and we hope to give you a window into that world. And some of you just like to hear about what's new in business, and that's certainly one of the things that attracts me to entrepreneurship. we got a great show today. So coming up I'm gonna, a little later, I'm going to talk to Adam Saban, who's the co-founder and CEO of PeopleGrove, an edtech startup that helps connect students with coaches and advisors for career advice and to expand their professional networks. Then I'll be jo- joined by David Cannington, who's the co-founder of New Hira, the maker of intelligent wireless earphones based on new patented technology. We'll also speak with Ari Walker, who's the co-founder and CEO at Integrated Beverage Group, about his groundbreaking winemaking process that replicates popular fine wines. But to start off the show, I'm really lucky to be joined in the studio by Sachin Reiki, who's the founder and CEO at Nochoy. Sachin, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. So, Sachin, I was, we were just chatting before this uh, sto- show started, and Sachin has been a generous guest presenter in many of my courses, but I realized we'd never actually sat down to talk about his product, so this is a great opportunity for me. And so the, what I want to do first is just point, point our, our listeners to, point all of you to the website. Uh, Sachin's got a terrific domain name. It's Note Joy, and that's it. No hyphens, no no fussiness, just notejoy.com. And I think we'll just kick it off by having Sachin give us the elevator, elevator pitch. So tell us what Note Joy is all about. Yeah, sure. So uh, Note Joy is a collaborative notes app um, to uh, for your entire team. And the whole idea is that it's really the fastest and easiest way for you to capture and share notes with your team. You know, one of the things that we noticed is that teams often are overusing communication tools, whether it's email or Slack, to share information with their teams at work. Uh, The challenge with it, though, is that when you email something or you Slack something to someone, uh, afterwards you can never find it. It doesn't become institutional knowledge that's searchable by the entire team, um, and a lot of it gets lost. 
though uh, institutional knowledge tools have always existed, like docs and wikis, what we find is wrong with those is that it's just too much work, too much friction to actually capture that content. Yeah. And so our belief is that there's this space in between your email and communication tools and your traditional document collaboration and wiki tools, and that space is collaborative notes. And that's uh, what NoChoy is all about, trying to make it super easy for you to capture and share notes. But then it's as easy as sending an email, but then you get all the searchability, the findability, and discoverability of a full-blown document collaboration or wiki-style tool. Yeah. All right. Well, let's make it really concrete. As you're talking, I'm thinking about what I just did the last couple hours, which is to prepare for the show. Mm -hmm. So we've got I've got a producer, an assistant, and me, and we put together show notes. We have a schedule. We have a variety of stuff, and we use a bunch of Google Google tools, right? Google mm -hmm. Sheets, Google Docs. So what what's better about No NoJoy? How could we use it? To, as a collaborative tool. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that's interesting is the way you'd use NoChoy in that scenario is you'd create a team library um, for the show or for each episode, uh, probably create one for the entire show and then a notebook for each actual um, uh, show that you have. Mm -hmm. And our team libraries are very much like uh, Slack channels mm -hmm. in that when you set up the sharing, uh, it's already shared with all the right people. So unlike with Google Docs, where you're kind of worrying about sharing permissions and all that, here, simply by dragging a note into the team library, it's automatically shared with all the right people. Mm -hmm. So you're spending way less time um, on things like uh, permissions. Mm -hmm. But then a lot of the kind of social um, functionality starts to shine when you're in there. Mm -hmm. So uh, similar to Google Docs, when you're in a NoChoy note, you have full real-time editing and presence. So folks can actually edit the document in real time. Mm -hmm. Um, but we go well and beyond that. Uh, so, for example, uh, one of the ways we do that is uh, we have uh, a sidebar within NoChoy we call Chatter. It kind of encapsulates everything that's going on in terms of the conversation around this note. So first, it shows you things like note views. Who's actually viewed the note? Mm. Uh, it's helpful uh, you know, when you're trying to work on uh, a project with someone to know whether they even have taken the time to read <laughs> that note yeah. that you put yeah. together. And so those end up being super useful notifications uh, early on uh, from the perspective of helping you manage the workflow, yeah. but also end up being super helpful later on if you're seeing a note keeps getting a lot of views. You know, That's a good indicator. Maybe you should keep it up to date mm -hmm. uh, because people are still deriving value out of it. Mm -hmm. We also do things inside of Chatter like reactions. So you can give people quick feedback, a thumbs up, a high five, similar to what you might do in, in iMessage or Slack, uh, but now we allow you to do that at the note level. Oftentimes when you're working with someone on a project, you just want a quick thumbs up, things look good. Mm -hmm. And uh, instead of having to write that in email, you can do that all within uh, NoteJoy. Okay, so it would it would... I mean, it, this is radio, so it's hard to give a visual demo to people, but I, I'm imagining a... Uh, an interactive unstructured document as a main window and then and then is it is it just a stream like a slack channel like a like a discussion thread that's mm -hmm. that's that's playing off to the side that's effectively. right yeah okay. and it it supports um full on threaded conversations yeah. um as well as at mentions so yeah. you can actually bring people into the conversation simply by at mentioning them now would you say the focus if we look at the document itself is the focus can the document itself be a published work product or is it truly more of just an information sharing tool uh, let me ask that a different way so let's imagine i'm writing a book mm -hmm. could the work product be the book itself that is is it also an authoring and publishing tool or is it strictly a way for sharing information that isn't intended to eventually become some other kind of document 
Yeah, so we, we see people using it in all kinds of ways. Yeah. Um, we have folks using it for actually blog post authoring ends up being one of the popular scenarios mm -hmm. people use it for. And that's al also because it's a great tool for editing and writing, but then when you want feedback, it's yeah. really easy for you to go and actually capture that feedback. Yeah. And then ultimately they'll post it in you know, whatever publishing tool they're using, Medium, WordPress, and whatnot, mm -hmm. just by copy and pasting it out. And we want to make that process even easier as well. Yeah. So I, I, sh I probably shouldn't have given you that specific scenario and, I, and, and instead asked you, what is the most common scenario? Uh, roughly speaking, who is your customer? How many, you know, typically how big is the work, the work group? What kind of setting are they in and what are they using it for? Yeah, great question. I'd say uh, one of the things that we found is that uh, initially when we thought about who were we building NoJoy for, mm -hmm. we were thinking about a lot of the kind of teams that uh, me and my co-founder worked at. Mm -hmm. Product teams, marketing teams inside of um, startups um, and other companies. And you know, as we're, since we're a young company, we kind of focused on companies that were under 100 employees as our initial audience with the idea that maybe over time we might go after larger companies. And so what we do see is a bunch of these folks um, in these kind of classic uh, companies using us. Team size could be anywhere 10, 20 people. Um, and we have uh, some deployments that are company-wide. You know, maybe 60, 70 people within the company are using it. And the use cases have been kind of all over the place. Uh, one of the, the common ones you'd expect is meeting notes. Uh, NoJoy is a great way to capture meeting notes and then mm -hmm. share them with the team. Um, we also see um, interesting cases where uh, you know, people are certainly doing the kinds of things they used to do in Google Docs within NoChoy, but then they're finding all these scenarios where NoChoy is finally lightweight enough to do things that they wouldn't do in Google Docs. So one of the interesting scenarios is we have a company out in uh, New York Connect that uses us, and um, what they love is it turns out that they want to enable anyone to be able to query for data within their organization, hmm. but the SQL skills are very varied. You know, sure. engineers know SQL well, a lot of the business folks don't. And so they've created this repository of shared queries in NoChoy. Ah, and so what yeah. they find is they put the query in there, they show what the output was, and then you know people thumbs up it and high five it. Mm -hmm. And uh, they found it's a really lightweight way to put that kind of content yeah. there. And that wouldn't have ever happened in a Google yeah. Docs. Yeah, interesting. So you know, I, I, in the intro, I, I talked about this desire to underscore general principles. And I, you said something pretty interesting. I wonder if you could talk, and, and in particular, just remind you that the, the thing that set me off here was you said you targeted these organizations, relatively small organizations, under 100 people or so initially. And and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that decision more generally. So you're, you've got some kind of enterprise tool. You, you would hope that it will be adopted eventually by all organizations or by large organizations. How do you think about that so-called beachhead market, where you get started with a product like this? Yeah, you know, I think we spent a lot of time trying to decide where that initial um, uh, traction was going to come from. Mm -hmm. And what's been fascinating about it is that we're still spending time on that. You know, we've yeah. been in market for about six months. And so our thought was we actually initially have a lot of functionality that we think ultimately will be great for large enterprises. Mm -hmm. But when we were thinking about getting early adopters on the product mm -hmm. early on, what we thought was that actually smaller teams are quicker to start adopting the tool yeah. and using it immediately. And so we decided that that would... Um, you know, be a, a bit quicker for us to start to get traction. And frankly, we even had conversations with larger companies, um, you know, well beyond, you know, thousands of employees. And what we found was we spent all this time kind of trying to get them to even try the product, mm -hmm. um, going through security reviews, going through all these meetings. Um, but then as soon as we got to smaller companies, they would just self-serve, try out the free product, and it made it so much faster to get feedback, yeah. so much faster to get going. Yeah. But but is is it... 
But you view it as a stepping stone. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a stepping stone. And I think what was fascinating, though, is we've had this new audience kind of emerge as a uh, as a audience that's uh, picking up and using Nocho even quicker than mm. sort of this kind of classic corporation with 100 employees or less. And it's this audience of freelancers and agencies uh, and micro SMBs. Yeah. And uh, whether it's a law firm, whether it's uh, someone kind of doing their own consulting work um, or digital advertising yeah. agencies. And it's not an audience, actually, that when we initially built Nochoy, we thought we were targeting. Yeah. And uh, but what we're finding is uh, they love using Nochoy not only for internal collaboration, but external collaboration yeah. with their clients. Yeah. Or with or with their partners, right? people who are, they're working with. Yeah, it's exactly. really interesting. Yeah. So it allows them to to put together a virtual worst workspace that spans the organizational boundaries. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. And it, it starts to get us to kind of be in the space where we're competing with tools like Basecamp and kind of yeah. lightweight SMB project management yeah. tools. Yeah. So I want, I want to drill down just a little bit more on, on another thing you said the the problem sometimes in enter, enterprise sales is that you, you, you know, you, you get, you, the, as you say, the security reviews, all the bureaucracy, the sourcing, all of that stuff. And there's a strategy which I, I've come to call the Dropbox strategy, which is you just get some engineer inside the organization, just adopt your tool, and then and then you've infiltrated. It's a Trojan horse. Have you thought about that deliberately? And in and, and what ways have you enabled people just to try and start using the, the product? Yeah, yeah, we think a lot about that yeah. scenario, and that's our ideal actual expansion and, and growth plan. Yeah. We look for ins at inspiration like Dropbox and mm -hmm. Slack as well. Mm -hmm. And what we've noticed is that um, we spent a, a lot of time making it so that uh, Nochoy, while it's built largely for team collaboration, it's also a great individual productivity tool. Mm -hmm. oh, if I just want to use yeah. Nochoy as a Apple Notes replacement or Evernote replacement, it works great. Um, and we actually have lots of folks that use it in that way and mm. tell us that it's it's a way lighter weight tool, um, less bloated than kind yeah. of some of the other tools on the yeah. market. And that gets us people using it um, in the enterprise, um, and we try to get them to start using it with their work email, yeah. even for that personal ah, use case. Interesting, yeah. Um, and we've even made it so that you know individual productivity is completely free to use. Mm -hmm. We even allow team collaboration up to teams of up mm -hmm. to 10 people for mm -hmm. free with this idea that we want to see you start collaborating before you start thinking about having a formal vendor relationship right. with NoJoy or right. going through security review right. and whatnot. Yeah, it's a really nice strategy, and I, th I think something that is easily replicated in, in different contexts. How, just on that, on that detail, how, how do you get them to use their work email? Do you give them some incentive to do that, or do you just tell them it's a good idea? Or that? Yeah, uh, so it, it, it comes down to sort of just nudging them. Yeah. So when you go through our sign-up uh, form, it, it just literally says sign up with your work email. Yeah. Um, and ah. uh, we also allow <laughs> you to— the theory, if you just— and give them instructions. Yeah. They use your work email. They will, yeah. And yeah. you can sign up with your G Suite account too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. we say G Suite, not Google account. Ah, um, yeah. And it turns out you can actually sign up with a Gmail or yeah. a personal email. Yeah. There's nothing preventing you, but yeah. we sort of encourage it. Yeah. All right. Uh, great. So we, we aren't shy here, and, and we're happy to give you a chance to pitch to our listeners. So tell them how to do that. They just go to notejoy.com, yeah. and I bet you make it pretty easy to figure out. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Go to notejoy.com. Uh, you can sign up for a completely free account. You yeah. can use it uh, for individual productivity. Um, but then, uh, more excitingly, you can start using with a team. And yeah. as I said, uh, for under 10 people, uh, Nochoy is completely free to get started with and get going with your team. Yeah, so on that note, what, 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 how, how do you think about pricing once it's a bigger organization or a bigger group? Yeah, yeah so we have kind of uh, – 
I'd say two vectors that we're looking at with pricing. Um, so once you have greater than 10, uh, 10 um, users on your team, mm -hmm. uh, you can either upgrade to our NoChoice Plus or NoChoice Premium plans. Mm -hmm. And Plus is $10 a user per month, mm -hmm. and Premium is $15 per user per mm -hmm. month with a discount if you go to annual plans. And so once your team gets large, the idea is we can monetize you that way. Yeah. But we're actually finding a lot of our paid teams are in fact smaller than 10, hmm. uh, as I was mentioning, these agencies and freelancers. Yeah. And so what we do also charge for is a set of premium features. Okay. Things like note history, um, so you can see every past edit and who made it. Mm -hmm. um, things like the ability to recover deleted notes. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that no one accidentally deletes a note mm -hmm. and you can't recover it. Things like that. Awesome. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Launchpad on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 111. I'm Carl Ulrich, and I'm speaking with Sachin Reiki, who's the founder and CEO of NoteJoy. Uh, Sachin, take us back to the beginning. Where did NoteJoy come from? You know, I was uh, working at uh, LinkedIn, and um, you know, my previous startup, uh, Connected, had actually been acquired by LinkedIn. And in the last two years at LinkedIn, I was really working on the LinkedIn sales navigator business. Uh, what was amazing about it is we got to incubate this new tool at LinkedIn specifically for sales professionals and grew that business pretty quickly. Uh, the team grew to about 500 people. Wow. Uh, the revenue grew, grew north of 200 million while I was there. Now it's north of 300 million. And what was amazing about it is I went from kind of a product leader to really kind of being a GM of this 500 person organization. And I started to feel like my product wasn't really the products we were pushing, but mm -hmm. the team. Mm -hmm. And so spent all my time thinking about communication, collaboration, alignment. You know, we'd have these um, all hands meetings with 500 people. And I'd think about that's 500 person hours oh, yeah. that <laughs> I'm potentially wasting. So yeah, I better make yeah. it super useful yeah. for everyone. And we very quickly started to feel as if the tools that we were using to communicate and collaborate mm -hmm weren't really doing much for us. A lot of these document authoring tools were kind of built in a day of publishing, whether it was Microsoft Word or even Google Docs, where it doesn't really do much for you in terms of um, workflow, that you find yourself, you're constantly in this world where after you write the document, now you go do the real work. You go tap people on the shoulder, ask them for feedback. You might schedule a meeting to force people to look at the document and give you feedback. And we felt like there was so much broken about that process. Mm -hmm. I remember I'd be in a meeting at LinkedIn and I'd be walking around. I'd see 10 people in that room. And I'd see three to five people taking notes in Evernote. Yet at the end of the meeting, zero people sent out meeting notes. Yeah. And it'd be so frustrating because there's institutional knowledge right. that would be valuable, but no one gets to see it mm -hmm. um, outside of the folks. And that was really sort of the genesis where we felt like, what if we could build tools that made it far easier, mm -hmm. reduce the friction to capture and sharing information, so that you felt like you had an int institutional uh, knowledge repository that could be invaluable to you uh, within the organization. Interesting. So that's a that's actually a, a pretty standard origin story. Meaning, you had a pain point, or you you observed a pain point in your own work environment, and said, "Hey, I can figure out how to go go solve that problem." Um, but you know, there's something curious I wanted to just ask you about. You were described being, you know, leading an organization of 500 people, and at LinkedIn, big 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 company. And and yet you've gone off to build no, no joy in about the leanest possible way I've seen entrepreneurs. So maybe you could talk a little bit about how lean you are and how why you've taken such a lean approach. And then whether whether that required sort of relearning certain skills because you'd been in this you'd gotten used to, I'm sure, having a, a lot of talent, and a lot of horsepower when you need to get something done. 
You know, I've always been a believer of, of this concept of a uh, minimum viable team. Yeah. So, you know, we talk in Silicon Valley about this idea of a minimum viable product. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I believe passionately in minimum viable team. And, and the reason being is, you know, I've always believed that companies have two phases. The pre-product market phase, uh, fit phase, where you're still trying to figure out what your kind of business is. And then post-product market fit, where you're really trying to scale the business. Mm -hmm. And when you're pre-product market fit, um, I think it actually behooves you to have a small team um, to really be incredibly nimble. And it, it's easy when you're working on a startup to constantly feel like you never have enough resources. And, and certainly, if we had more resources, we can accomplish more. But it also turns out adding additional resources significantly slows things down, especially in terms of decision making. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I mentioned, we're constantly trying to figure out who's our target audience, um, who's No Choi resonating with that on a dime, we want to be able to be nimble enough to decide, actually, this micro SMB segment that's kind of working, maybe we should double down on them mm -hmm. in a big way and change mm -hmm. our roadmap there. So that's how we've executed with NoJoy. Actually, so the NoJoy team is just me and my co-founder, mm -hmm. um, so Ada and I. Uh, Ada also happens to be my wife, yeah. and uh, we you know, did our previous startup. Yeah, you know, why, why mess around with multiple teams? You just put it all. Yeah, you, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the minimum viable team. <laughs> exactly. So, so we take it to an extreme. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's really just the two of us. Yeah. And uh, you know, the way we divide responsibility is I work on product design and engineering. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ada works on everything else, mm -hmm. uh, mostly focused on growth, analytics, and marketing, yeah. but then also kind of operations, legal, finance, and all that. And, uh, you know, we even work out of our home, so yeah. we don't yeah. waste time on kind of office space, but yeah. uh, we get the chance to kind of just work from uh, our, our home office. Yeah, and, and who writes the code? You do? I do, yeah. I write the code myself. Wow. That's, that's crazy. So that gives – that uh, I was going to ask you, actually, when you say lightweight – uh, that's partly out of necessity. Like you don't have any engineers to build features. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's been fascinating because, yeah. um, you know, we actually try to look at that as, as a optimal thing because yeah. actually most people talk about, uh, like other alternative tools, like a Google docs and Evernote and whatnot, as if they're, they're bloated tools and they yeah. have too much going on. Yeah. And so simplicity and ease of use and intuitiveness yeah. Yeah. are some of the keywords that kind of people first come to mind when people are describing no joy okay but it, but I, I, you gotta you gotta help me understand this so what would you guess the development team size is at, at evernote <laughs> it's uh it's 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 well over a hundred uh other r&d team right so how can half of a guy uh outperform uh a hundred a hundred people i mean just i mean i i'm, I'm being i'm being serious about that question so is, is it I mean, of course, in software in software engineering, there's huge variance in individual performance, no question. And and one of the key principles is you you get you can get bogged down mm -hmm. with the communication requirements. But just you know, give me some editorial on that. Why why is it? How is it possible for one person uh, to to do all that? Yeah, I think I think there's a couple dimensions yeah. on it. Um, you know, one is uh, it turns out actually a lot of the time that you spend in an organization. Uh, deciding what product to build yeah. has nothing to do with the engineering phase. Yeah. Uh, product teams are working with designers, mm -hmm. working with engineers mm -hmm. to decide what should they build, yeah. what it's going to look like, and what is feasible from an engineering perspective. Mm -hmm. And it turns out when all of that is going on within my own head, uh, it actually <laughs> speeds things up. <laughs> and uh, there's this kind of interesting dynamic that happens when oftentimes uh, a product manager might come up with a feature and then they take it to engineering and then they ultimately realize that implementing it would be very yeah. costly. Uh, we can 
actually I can basically have those discussions with myself and that significantly speeds up time to an idea and turning it into a feasible kind of code product. Yeah. So that definitely helps yeah. um, as one dimension of it. Now, um, Ada, Ada was also you. You were you were in college together. Um, you were both in in tech. But but is this the first time you've worked together? Actually, uh, our previous startup, Connected, uh, was also Ada oh, and I. Okay. All um, right. And that's the one that was acquired by um, LinkedIn. Okay. So you knew you knew what you were getting into. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it was one of these things where um, Connected, uh, you know, was only around for about two years before we got acquired mm -hmm. by LinkedIn. And we even continued to work together at LinkedIn, but Aiden and I always talked about if we got the chance to work together again, um, we'd love it. Wow, that's that's amazing. Uh, I, I sound surprised. But <laughs> 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 um, so, so did you also take a similarly lean approach with Connected? We did. Uh, that was also just uh, Aiden and I early yeah. on, and then uh, when we got acquired, it was still the two of us. Yeah, so that's really awesome. So I got I to ask you a question. I'm involved with another startup uh you know, another another Wharton person started this company, Rare Carrot, that is a it's an online marketplace for diamonds. And he he bootstrapped the business as I think you guys did, and and uh, and got it to be a pretty successful thing. But at a certain point, he yeah, I was at his advisor. He asked this question: Do we need to take some venture capital to sort of pin a valuation so that? When we're acquired, they aren't saying, wait, what are we buying? We're buying two people. You know you know what I'm trying to ask, which is there's a certain amount of social proof you get by taking money from Sequoia, mm -hmm. you know, at a $50 million valuation or whatever. How, how have you thought about that? Or, 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 or does that just not matter at the end of the day when you go to, when you go to exit? Yeah. You know, I think in Silicon Valley, there is this sort of dynamic where, um, you know, the tried and true path is the venture capital-based path, mm -hmm. and a lot of people do expect it. And so I think there is um, interesting elements on social proof. I remember when we were launching NoteJoy, uh, trying to get some press around yeah. it, yeah. and a lot of folks were like, have you raised funding yet? Yeah. Um, you know, how much have you raised? Yeah. Oh, you haven't raised? Yeah. And, you know, it turns out a lot of journalists are a bit lazy. They use that as a signal right. of whether they right. should bother writing about you. Yeah. And um, it, it, there are these signals that I do feel as if, um, you know, having the money uh, and raising from kind of a top tier investor would get you that benefit. Mm -hmm. Our perspective has always been, while it does have some of those benefits, it comes with all sorts of uh, strings attached yeah. to it. Um, having a boss for first, yeah. uh, just to name one. Um, and then also <laughs> kind of changing the dynamics of, of outcomes. You know, right. right now we have complete optionality right. when it's just the two of us. You know, we have 100% ownership of the cap yeah. table. Yeah. Um, that being said, you know, we may ultimately decide to raise. I think uh, we're thinking about it from the perspective of if we get to the point where it's clear to us, um, okay, great, all we got to do is push this button and, you know, get some working capital around it, maybe around paid marketing or around a direct sales team, and we just need that money to really scale. Um, we're happy to do it at that point. Right. But at this point, it, it just seems like um, – uh, we don't need it. Yeah. You know, the, the PR could go the other way, too. You get a little more traction. Like, well, can you believe it? Uh, Ada and Sachin built this thing with no capital, and it's now worth $500 million, you know, whatever you hope. But, you know, yeah. so it could, it could, could, could go the other way. You so, know, it's yeah, fascinating yeah. because uh, when we started, um, we actually uh, – tried not to tell people it was just eight and nine yeah, because yeah. you know we kind of we've even sort of postured a bit and so we describe ourselves as the executive team yeah, so yeah, yeah, people yeah. assume there must right, be other right, people behind right. it and they're always shocked when they're like wow Sachin and Ada are responding to my customer service <laughs> segments that's amazing you guys really take customers first yeah um, because you know it's sort of like this credibility thing when you're trying to get people to use your product yeah. you know they make feel like it's less credible if it's only a couple of people. Now, actually, what we're finding is that um, 
people are starting to be like, it is amazing what you guys have been able to accomplish so leanly. Right? Yeah. And so we are st- uh, starting to think about maybe we should be telling that story more broadly. Yeah, exactly. All right, we just have about 30 seconds, but Sachin, just give us an update. Tell us how, how it's gone. It's yeah. been good. So we launched six months ago, uh, mid-December. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we got thousands of users um, uh, on NoJoy right now, and we got kind of hundreds of uh, paid customers as well. And we're kind of just off to the races growing and, and trying to find where is going to be kind of the biggest bastion of growth for us. Um, I mentioned some of the segments we're looking at, whether it's these micro SMBs mm-hmm. as well as kind of your typical SMB. Um, and that's kind of our fo- focus right now. All right. Well, Sachin, thanks so much for coming in. I can't wait to go try it. I haven't used it yet, so I'm looking forward. Awesome. Right. Looking forward to it. All right. For more information about NoJoy, no just go to NoteJoy.com. It's that simple. Coming up, Adam Savin. Saban will join me to talk about PeopleGrove, his startup that's built a software platform to connect students and professionals with advisors. I'm Carl Ulrich, Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation, and you're listening to Launchpad on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 111. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 